0: Welcome to Ladies Roadmap. Are you finally at the point in life where you actually have a little time to think about yourself? What does that look like? If you're ready for positive change and an enriched life, then come along as we take you inside the stories of thought-provoking guests who reveal their knowledge, experience, reinvention, and an overall passion to live a full, beautiful life. Yes, expect to uncover your deepest self and turn your dreams into reality. Hello, ladies, and welcome to Ladies Roadmap. We are in Charlotte, North Carolina this week. And, Jamie, you and I have to make a little confession today,
1: I think. We're envious of our guests today. I know, we really are, because, well, we all choose our paths for many different reasons, Lana. Yeah,
0: we do, and our guest chose early on to become highly educated in finance. That's something that I always shied away from because I just thought I'm not good at numbers, I'm not good at math, and I let my husband take the reins. But now that I've been in business for 10 years and I've worked very hard to become financially independent, I find it very important and have been educating myself. But you know, we can't all be experts in everything. So, we've decided that this is a great topic for probably not only us, but a lot of other people. And we have Karen Keatley today of Keatley Wealth Management. And Karen is the Chief Investment Officer and founder
2: of Keatley Wealth Management. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and talk to your listeners about women and finance and financial planning. We well, you know there's so much to talk about. So we thought
0: maybe one angle would be to talk about how do you find the right financial planner? Because it's pretty scary to think of putting your whole trust and your money, hard earned money, into someone else's hands.
2: It is scary and and, and it it should your your listeners should be scared because there are a lot of different kinds of people out there that call themselves financial advisors, and not all of them really are truly financial advisors. Some of them, you know, there's there's no law that says you have to be a certain kind of person to put that title after your name. Really, anybody can call himself or herself a financial advisor, um, n- no matter what their training. So it can be really hard to sort through who are the the really the quality financial advisors, and we have we see financial advisors. Um, coming from a lot of different places. Some are working for insurance companies, and they used to be called insurance agents. Some of them work for brokerage firms, and they used to be called stockbrokers. But now everybody calls themselves a financial advisor. So it can be a little confusing.
1: Well, I know uh, after reading on your website about what your company is, it's quite different. You have a different philosophy from other financial advisors. Would you share that with us, please? Well,
2: we are a little—we're not alone, but we are unusual. I would say probably about 10% of financial advisors uh, have their businesses uh, structured the way we do, which is that we are a fee-only firm. That means the only payments our firm receives are are from our clients. We don't take commissions on the sale of products. We don't have. Um, sort of behind-the-scenes payments from different product sponsors trying to encourage us to do this or that for our clients. We really are here to work only for our clients. And we take a pledge to put our clients' interests first to, and to be completely transparent in all the ways that we work with our clients. Um, and to avoid any kind of conflict of interest. We think when there's a commission or a sales product focus, it leads to conflicts of interest. Sure. And I, I heard even recently I had a friend who her
0: mother had all of her confidence and trust in one person, and that person indeed just did that very thing. It wasn't like he stole from her, but he really didn't have her best interest. He had his best interest, and that's where you get into trouble. And quite honestly... I think that's where I know, for example, with with my husband, his his thing was, I'm not going to let anyone else take care of our money. But again, he's really not an expert. Sure, he's smart. He's a great businessman. But I feel like I would like to take a different approach. I would like to let an expert that I can trust, that I know isn't going to gouge me, uh, take Take me along. Walk me through what it looks like to really have the right wealth management plan. Because as you very eloquently put in your website, there are many women, especially at our age, becoming single for various reasons, whether it's divorce or death. There are also many of many people who are coming into great wealth because maybe they inherited it. Family parents are dying at our age.
1: Um, so, but in any of those scenarios
2: can really be petrifying. Yeah. All it, of a sudden, who do I turn to to help me with this? It can be. And you know, and as you said, many women um, do rely on their husbands. I feel like that myself. I, I was very young when I got married, and
1: I actually didn't have an interest. I thought I didn't have an interest in wealth management or finances, but now at this time in my life, I am very interested, and I have started reading books about it, and I'm trying to become more educated, and that's why we're having you here today. Well,
2: well, good. I'm glad you are becoming more interested in it, and I think there's it's, it's never a bad time to learn about something new, is there? Um, unfortunately, I, we see a lot of women, both in, in our generation as well as younger women, who are willing to let their husbands take care of all this, and and, and that may or may not be a good thing, First of all, I want to say there's nothing magical, magical about men and finance. It does not come on the Y chromosome. You know, just Thank because, you. <laughs> just because they're good at what they do and they're intelligent doesn't mean that they necessarily have all the knowledge to do what we do and, and what needs to be done. And we often, many, many of our clients, in fact, nearly all of them are extremely educated. Many of our clients are men or married couples And the the man is our primary point of contact. We work with doctors. We work with lawyers. We work in some cases with financial executives and investment bankers. These are people who are very trained and very knowledgeable about finance, but they recognize that what we do is very specialized, and it's a little bit different. Can you help people in different
0: states? I didn't know if you have to live in, if there's rules or guidelines within states.
2: No, we are a a national company. We currently work with people in about 20 states. So we're not limited there.
0: Let's say I
2: have $100,000.
0: Is that even enough to go to a wealth management person
2: or a financial planner? Well, it's not enough to come to my firm, but it is enough to come to, to talk to a wealth manager. And there are, are different places to look for different wealth managers, for people who work with people I guess with um, uh, you know in different segments of their life and different segments of wealth and certainly different age groups. but there are advisors that work with people who are uh, not as wealthy. Our typical clients though have more than a million dollars under, under management, right.
0: And then, if say for a person who didn't have as much money to invest, but they wanted to start, would you direct them to a financial planner at that point, or would you say, "Hey, start slow and go open an I- IRA at Fidelity"? Or, I mean, are there are there ways to start in the beginning so that you can get to that million dollars to, to then come to someone like yourself?
2: Well, there are, and um, there are there are books to read, and I'd be happy to share some of those with you for a a person starting out. There are also um, financial advisory people who specialize in working with people in their 20s and 30s who are still accumulating wealth. Um, Some of these companies provide advice uh, remotely and over the phone, sometimes on a subscription service kind of a a basis. So there are different ways to find uh, financial advisors. But, you know, I think we have a different scenario
1: here because we're all women over a certain age, and mm-hmm. so our needs are different. So let's talk about those today. How would you guide someone that, that would be in their second half of life trying to keep their money just <laughs> safe and
2: responsibly invested? Well, to, before I answer that question specifically, I want to back up and be a little bit more general, if that's okay, okay, and talk for another minute or two about picking a financial advisor. I think it's more important to pick the right person to help you than it would be for me to try to, to give a sort of a one-size-fits-all solution to, you know, what should a woman in her 50s be doing. I think in addition to, when, when you look at a financial, when you're, when you're shopping for a financial advisor, you know, the first thing is who do they work for and how are they paid. And I talked about that a few minutes ago when we started. I think another really important thing is what are their qualifications and what's their experience you should always be working with somebody who has their CFP, which is their Certified Financial Planner designation. Um, I have a CFP. I also have what's called a CFA, a Chartered Financial Analyst, and that's a pretty sophisticated uh, certification for investment portfolio managers. Um, I started my career uh, managing uh, general account money for a large insurance company in New York. So um, it's really important that you're talking with somebody who has the knowledge to back up the recommendations that they might be giving. Again, when we, when we look at sort of the typical brokerage and insurance business model, we often see people who were recruited to their jobs because they have really good social skills, um, not necessarily because they're knowledgeable about finance or personal investing. Um, they're just good communicators and, and very, very likable. And there's nothing wrong with that. You want your advisor to be a likable person, but there has to be more to it, doesn't there?
0: Yes. Well, we read that in uh, Tony Robbins' book. That's one of the books that we'd read we both read on money matters and he talks about how you need to ha- if you're going to go to someone, make sure they're a
2: CFA and I a think CFA, I, a CFP first and a CFA. CFA. Mm-hmm. Make sure they're experienced, understand how they're paid. And then I think the the third thing is their personality. You know, how well do they communicate? Are they if you're if you're sitting at the table with your husband, are they answering your questions too and valuing your input? to the same degree as they're valuing your husband's, or are they looking at your husband all the time and only answering his questions, or are they brushing you off and making you feel belittled? Are they using jargon? Are they uh, what I call a mansplainer, using lots and lots of jargon and make you feel sort of uh, Mm. like you're not really in the loop or in the know? That can be very intimidating, and you can't work with somebody and and sort of open your whole financial well-being to somebody who's not really respecting you and taking you seriously.
0: That's a very good point because you do see that where they just look at the husband or they just talk directly
1: to the husband.
2: We do see it and we have people who come to us and 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 have experienced that at other places.
1: Oh, I know I've I've had that experience personally and it's not pleasant so I think that's a really good point to make to not be intimidated
2: and move on to the next mm-hmm. person. I think it is and I think the, the use of jargon um you know, people. Some people like to use a lot of jargon; it makes themselves sound smart, um, and and that they really are know what they're doing and, and highly ultra competent. But my, my personal belief is that the smartest people in the room are the ones that can explain something complicated in a way that makes it understandable. Those well, are the smart people.
1: Well, we have a couple of scenarios here that we were just going to throw out there, and one is: let's just say you've been, you know, married for um, many years. Uh, and you both have the same financial planner, and then you decide to get divorced.
2: Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a, a tough scenario, and I've actually experienced that as an advisor. Um, really, in that situation, who gets the advisor? You know, it's yeah. like well, a children thing that has to be decided because, really, certainly going through a divorce, um, it becomes a conflict of interest. You know, I as an advisor, I owe my loyalty to my clients. So how how would I handle that if my clients now are are divided in their loyalties i can't really truly be divided in mine so it's a conversation that needs to be had about who's going to work with the advisor in that case i can maybe help the, the other spouse find another quality advisor who they can work with delicate situation obvi- mm-hmm. obviously yes very
0: delicate I'm sure there are dozens of mistakes we all make. However, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you this question? What's the biggest mistake you see women making?
2: I think that's a great question. and and um, I, I see people making all kinds of mistakes, but one mistake I see women consistently make is they hand over the reins to their husband and they're not Necessarily paying attention to what's going on themselves, you know. When you sign a tax return, when we all sign our ta- tax returns with our husband jointly every year, we're responsible for that tax return just as much as our husband. We can't we can't go in front of the IRS, for example, and make the argument, "Well, my husband made that mistake; it's not my mistake." You are you are as responsible for that tax return as your husband is. Um, and in the world of investing. I think women need to understand what's going on with with their investments. They need to understand um, how much risk is being taken with their investments. They need to understand whether whether you know we agree on goals, whether whether your the, the goals that your husband has established are the same as your goals, and whether the investment decisions that that are being made are going to lead to achievement of your goals or not, or whether they're being too speculative. Well, you know that leads me to kind of think. Obviously, you have to do a
0: little psychological. Work when you're working with a husband and wife together. I'm sure there's a little psychology involved in there for you on your part. Do you find that when you've got them both in the room, you have
2: to? I mean, that sometimes it gets a little tense, and how do you deal with that? Occasionally, that's happened. You know, uh, uh, a large part of what we do is psychology here. Um, But what we what we try to do with couples is we try to take a giant step back and start talking about goals and trying to get everybody to agree on what the long-term goals are because I think you can eliminate a lot of the source of conflict if you if you start by agreeing on the goals and then you start laying out the pathway to achieve the goals. Pe- couples fight over money all the time. Um, they fight over what you're going to spend it on and how, who's going to spend what and how much. Um, if we can all agree on a long-term plan, that sometimes takes a little bit of the oxygen out of, that, out of those arguments.
1: How do you keep your clients updated? So, for instance, do you have quarterly meetings with them? I mean, I can imagine with all the way the markets are always fluctuating, um, how often do you meet with your clients? What would you think someone would look for in an advisor? How often should they be meeting?
2: Well, we meet with our clients at least once a year. We don't typically meet with them more often unless there's something going on in their lives that would make us want to get together to talk. Um, what we find, the way we invest is very goal-focused and very long-term goal-focused. So even though the markets did you know, uh, not very well last year, pretty much all around, particularly in the, in the last half of the year, um, what we say to our clients is, if your goals haven't changed, then the investment portfolio doesn't need to change. We understand that investment portfolios have good years and bad years. We're focused on the long-term result. So we, we communicate with our clients by phone when something's happening like happened in December where things seemed like they were in a bit of a free fall for a few weeks. And we did communicate with a number of people by phone just to calm their nerves. Most people, frankly, really weren't that nervous. Most of our clients weren't that nervous. Um, but we do want to see them once a year. We, we spend a lot of time educating our clients about how we invest and why we invest the way we do. And... I think once they've spent a little bit of time with us and understood our approach, they tend to not really worry about it very much when we go through market cycles, the way we've been going through them.
1: I'd be interested to hear a little bit about what, what was it that got you into all of this and your philosophy of investing?
2: Well, you know, I, um, I started out, I guess I mentioned working in investments for a large financial institution. And um, I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of history about how I got to this place. I, uh, I, I, I retired from that job after my second child was born. My children were 19 months apart, and my first one was barely sleeping through the night when I got pregnant with the second one, and I was working and had a nanny, and I was traveling, and I was traveling uh, internationally while I was pregnant, and I was so tired. So um, We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, We can <laughs> yeah, relate. I just, oh, terribly tired. So um, the opportunity uh, arose for us to move to Charlotte for my husband's job, and I thought, well, this will be a great opportunity for me to take a little breather, get us relocated to a new city, you know, get the children a little more organized and then kind of sail in and and get my next job. But two weeks after we moved to Charlotte, my father passed away and it was completely without warning. We were all absolutely devastated. You know, I don't know, it's it's terrible to lose a person to a long slow disease, but it's also terrible to lose them quickly because you don't have the opportunity to to have all those conversations. So my my dad was gone and my mother needed help with her finances among other things. So I stepped in of course, given my background and started working with her and really organizing her financial life. We made a financial plan for her just using Excel. I didn't have all the fancy tools I have now, but I used Excel, made a financial plan. We laid out a strategy, a budget, kind of got her all settled. It it took a while, but I think that process is what made me understand the importance of financial advice delivered the right way. I didn't want to send her to a broker or an insurance agent. I didn't really trust um, the people out there who call themselves financial advisors, it's hard to differentiate between the, the, what I call the real financial advisors and the others. So that was what made me want to do that. And I, I kind of wasted a, a few more years of time, but then started my own firm doing this. And that's, that was sort of the, the pivotal moment for me. You said, you know, it's
0: difficult to find people like that. Is there a source guide to find CFP, CFAs and CFPs? And, um, and and
1: fee only advisors. I think yeah, that's, that's the third really thing. important. There's an organization. You know what? I would love to really talk
2: about that fee only. Mm-hmm. Women might not understand that. I will. Let me talk about that. Um, so a fee only advisor, and this is the, the really most important distinction, if they can remember one thing from this uh, podcast, it would be when you're having that conversation with the with the prospective advisor, ask if they are fee only. What fee only means is that is that we're only paid by our clients. We don't receive any compensation from anybody else because if we get compensation from somewhere else, our loyalties are then divided, aren't they? Yes. And we don't ever want to have divided loyalties. We were trying to minimize any possibility of a conflict of interest so that we always know we're being paid by our clients and we're giving the best advice we possibly can to help our clients achieve their goals. It's It's very simple. It's very clean cut. The organization that you're, listeners might want to go to if they want to look for a fee-only advisor in their area, is called napfa.org, and it's a little bit of a mouthful, I'm going to spell it out, N is in Nancy, A, P is in Paul, F is in Frank, A. It stands for the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. Napfa.org has a little place on their website where you can type in your zip code and they'll pop up a list of advisors. You that cannot, is a yeah.
1: valuable tool. Yeah, Thank you so good. much for Thank that. You. We will put that in our show notes.
2: Yeah, I think that's really important. You can also look on the CFP board website, um, but I think the NAPFA tool is, is really a great place to start. Well, we read something. We want to see if you can dispel
1: this myth or not, that actually women are better at investing than men. Uh-huh. Yes. They, well, so
2: funny you should mention that because there was an article in the New York Times last week with a headline that said "Consider firing your male broker," <laughs> and um, uh, I, I had to chuckle over it. I, I'm I'm sort of uncomfortable with with sexism in any form, whether it's pro woman or pro man because i think if you if we substituted consider firing your female broker we'd all be pretty offended by that and and men could be offended by this headline as well and and rightfully so but i think what the what the article was trying to point out is that there are certain personality characteristics that women have that that tend to lend themselves to being more successful. One of them is just being patient and being goal focused. So there have been a few studies that have done that have shown that women spend less time transacting in their investment accounts. And anytime you transact, you're creating a potential for a tax liability and you're running up trading costs. So generally trying to minimize the transactions is a way better way to invest. But the studies have shown that men tend to tend to transact more; they tend to be overconfident, um, tend to have a little bit more maybe a lottery mentality, whereas women tend to be more long-term, goal-focused, and we transact less. That was the basis for it. But yeah, you can you can convert that and say, well, yeah, women are better at this than men. I don't know if that's really true, but I, I do think that um, certain personality characteristics lend themselves to yeah. to being more successful they say, you know, you, you need to, you need to when you buy and then you invest, you need to just really plan to hold. You do. You need to invest um, and not speculate. And there's a big difference, isn't there? Yes. And there are a
0: lot of women now that are doing day trading themselves and learning. But I think most of them that I've encountered are pretty conservative and 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 like us, they find it so fascinating now or enjoy and are enjoying it when maybe they've never been involved in
2: anything yeah. like that before. Yeah, day trading is foolishness. It's um you might you can just go to the casino and, and play craps. Yeah, I don't think I'd have the um, kahunas to, to No and, do and it. really we you don't see day traders being terribly successful. It's a it's a great way to transfer wealth from the Not so smart people to the smart people. Once again, again, we're
1: back to the fees because every time you make a trade, there's a fee. Well, not not only that. And on top of that, it's just
2: gambling, basically. Yeah, it's basically speculative. When when somebody day trades, they're trying to buy a stock and they're going to think that I'm going to buy this stock because I think it's going to go up. I think I'm getting a deal on it. So when when you make that evaluation, you're saying that I'm smarter than all the other millions and millions and millions of people who are selling me that stock at that price. And right. the algorithms that
0: are out there—they're uh, right, all exactly. plugged So in if and you
2: think you're smarter than everybody else, that's great. If you—but um, most of the time, you're not. Um, if you have inside information on a stock, that's illegal. So <laughs> there's no um, win. There's, a, there's, there's not, not, really there's no, Not the, a the win. The day win trading there. thing is not no. is not a recipe for success. And, and you're
0: not if you're not an expert anyway. Even the experts, it's not a good idea, really. But it's better to get your money with someone who is an expert and has had experience in financial planning and get a safe portfolio. So that that's my biggest concern is that down the road, which down the road isn't that far away now, I will be you know well taken care of. And with the 2010, it definitely
2: shook up my box a lot. It did. And and you know that when you go out and you buy stocks like that like your your day trader friends, you could hit a home run or you could, Get killed, right? You can make a killing. You can get killed. You've got a wide range of possible outcomes. It can be great, or it can be absolutely terrible. You know what we try to do for our clients is take away. We're, our investment portfolios aren't going to give you great, but they're not going to give you terrible. We're trying to narrow the range of outcomes to to acceptable, to good, to pretty good, so that we know that when you get to the point where you need the money, it's going to be there. Yeah right? Take out some of that
0: risk we're, factor. We're trying to take away the risk. When I was reading on your website, it made me think about, you know, if suddenly something happens and, and you're, you, you lose your spouse or you become divorced and you're in such a, it's, you're usually mentally distraught. And so when someone comes to you and they're pretty distraught, do you, do you find that just by, ta- by showing them that you can take over that part of their lives or at least help guide them through that part of their lives, it makes a big difference for them? It does.
2: And, and we've had a number of, of uh, clients come to us following widowhood or divorce, and we can take that source of worry off the table for them. Was there anything else you wanted to share with our listeners um,
1: about this topic? something they need to be knowing. I'm really looking forward to reading some of those books that you're going to be recommending.
2: Well, good. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think so. I think that just don't be afraid to ask questions and don't, don't walk in assuming that you don't know anything, therefore um, you're not going to ever know anything. A good financial advisor should be able to communicate with you in a way that helps you understand. We sit down with people, we sit down with women all the time that have no experience. And I start with what is a stock and what is a bond And then I take it through and we talk about how we invest and how you put a portfolio together. We want all of our clients to be knowledgeable investors. And your listeners shouldn't expect anything different than that.
0: That's great advice. We so appreciate that. It makes me feel better already. Well, tell us some of the books and we will make sure that we
1: put them in our our show notes and on our website. Karen, we're certainly thrilled that we got to talk to you about this subject today. and I hope this show finds its way to the ears of any woman who might near, need guidance in this area. So ladies, I hope you would share this show. Or man, we're not
0: sexist that's right. or man. that's
1: right. We just know that
0: our show goes out to you know millions of women,
1: and we hope this helps all of you as much as it has helped us. So Karen, please tell us where can ladies find you in your website?
2: The website, the web address is www.karenkeatley.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-K-E-A-T as in Tom, L-E-Y.com. And as we were noting, uh, her website
1: is fantastic and she has lots of wonderful articles. You could actually just get started right there in reading and to get educated. So again, thank you, Karen. This has been great, great information. Thanks, Karen. It's a pleasure. Thank you both.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Ladies Roadmap Journal. Is your life on autopilot? To Jamie, I think to have excitement in life, you have to stay curious and keep chasing your dreams.
1: Exactly, Lana, and that's why this self-care life planning journal, it's it's unlike any journal you've ever used before. It's so easy and it's a way to get clarity on your thoughts and intentions. Think of it as a way to jumpstart
0: your day or you may want to wind down your day by getting those thoughts rolling around on paper and out of your head. My favorite part is getting clear on the one thing that I want to accomplish today. And I love focusing on my gratitude for the day.
1: That's the feedback we've been getting from the ladies that have been using the journal. They've been sharing on how the journal is affecting their lives in such a positive way.
0: Well, we created this journal because like you, all we want to do is live a fulfilled life and stay ageless in mind and spirit.
1: Watch your life unfold as you align and direct your intentions.
0: To get started today, purchase your life planning journal at ladiesroadmap.com. If you want to stay up to date with our five-star podcast, be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You'll never miss an episode and you'll see our latest tried and true lifestyle products. You can sign up at
1: ladiesroadmap.com. And ladies, if you like our show, please take a minute to subscribe and rate our podcast because it's super important so that other women can easily find the show. You can do it on iTunes or to make it even easier, we've put a link in the show notes on our website.